You are listening to AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Welcome back to the AM Sports Podcast. I'm Martin Foster, and in this episode, I want to talk analytics. Sports analytics have really burst onto the sports scene over the past 15 years or so. More and more teams are going towards analytics to help improve the organization. Personally, I love the idea of analytics to help identify trends and really unique aspects of the game. To help discuss this intriguing topic with me today is Dr. Jacob Luffaholtz, Director of All Things Sports from the Perduco Sports Group. <laughs> Dr. Luffaholtz, thank you for joining me on the show. Did I get that last name right? You did. Sounded good. Sounded good. And we talked a little bit before we started recording, and Luffaholtz actually means the, the spoon of wood. <laughs> yeah, pretty pretty intimidating name. So that's yeah. what I uh, say to all my competitors. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. Uh, before we really get into all the different topics, just tell us a little bit about your background and your involvement with the uh, with Purdue Sports. Yeah, I um, well, I grew up in the Dayton, Ohio area. Um, went to high school here, and I went up to college at. Uh, small Division three school, Wilmington College, um, about 45 minutes south east of Dayton. Uh, I played tennis there. I uh, got a majored in math and psychology. I originally thought I was going to go down the psychology route, uh, figured out that wasn't quite for me, so I decided to go with math. And so after I graduated college, I went on to grad school to get my master's and my Ph.D., uh, in an area called operations research, which is just another fancy name for applied mathematics. I really like the idea of using math to solve problems versus right. just coming up with theories and stuff like that. I actually wanted real answers to, to real problems. And so that's what my degree allowed me to do. Uh, while I was going to school, I continued with Wilmington College uh, coaching tennis there. Um, so sports has always been kind of a a big part of my life. I played baseball, soccer, basketball, tennis all growing up. I uh, really picked up tennis in high school and found that to be my niche and wanted to continue on with that. And I went to school uh, for my PhD at the Air Force Institute of Technology, which is on the Wright Pad Air Force Base. So I was a pure student going to essentially an Air Force school. So 99% of the people walking around are in military uniforms, and I'm the one guy in shorts and T-shirt. Um, it was a pretty interesting experience in that. You were that guy. I was I was that guy. With exactly. the wooden spoon. <laughs> With the wooden spoon walking around king of the jungle. Most of the students there were encouraged to do uh, Air Force-related projects. So, you know, fly sorties and airplanes, jet craft, all that kind of stuff for Air Force. I was that guy again, and I wanted to think outside the box, and I wanted to do sports projects because that's what I was interested in. And in one of my classes, it was a it was a predictive analytics type of class. Uh, it's called multivariate statistics. And so what I wanted to do is I wanted to be able to say, all right, I can take the statistics of NBA games, so just your basic box score stats, so your assists, steals, blocks, turnovers, points, field goals, all that. Right. And I want to predict who's going to win a game. And not only do I want to predict who's going to win a game, I want to predict who's going to cover a spread because uh, that's probably what more certain people are more interested in, uh, not just who's going to win but how much they're going to win by. And so I did a class project, and I took a couple weeks of a season, built a model on it, 
and I achieved 80% accuracy, which was pretty cool. Um, my, my professor enjoyed it. He thought it would be pretty neat to write it into a paper, and so that's what I did while I was at school. I finished up my degree. I went on to work for a uh, defense contractor just doing uh, DOD stuff, Department of Defense stuff. And a couple years later, I got a call uh, from Purdue, and he had read my paper, and he said, hey, how would you like to start our sports group at Purdue?" And so I was like, sure, why not? He's like, can you do what you did in your paper for all sports for many different applications, not just the predicting who's going to win, but can, can you apply it to different areas of sports? I said, sure, let's go for it. So that's kind of my background and how I got to where I am today. It's all mainly hinged on that one class project. That's um, really cool. So that, that's kind of how your career got kickstarted in this field. Yeah, exactly. I, I had no intention of doing sports. I was just going to do something mathematical. Like I said, I went to the Department of Defense. I, I applied for jobs with CIA and uh, FBI. I was going to do just very unique stuff. Uh, I never really thought about working in sports. I just always enjoyed it. I know a lot about it. I played them. Um, it just kind of, I wrote that paper, and now I can't ever imagine me not working in sports. <laughs> so. Speaking on that paper, actually read it and in a way it was basically your job resume online if you think about yeah. it like that yeah it, it really is um it's pretty cool because a couple of years ago we talked to mark cuban um you know, owner of mavericks yeah and, uh my boss and i were talking to him and my boss brought up it's like yeah i i've got uh, this guy working for me, he wrote this paper a few years ago on predicting NBA games. And Mark Cuban's like, oh, I read that paper. I always wondered what happened to that guy if wow. he was in Vegas or doing something. So you, you're right on the nose of it is a, it is a resume online. Um, unfortunately, I, I call it my blessing and my curse because it's my blessing because it's got me to where I am in my life. But it's my curse because everybody wants me to reproduce those results on a daily basis for every single sport, which is very difficult. And it's also very stressful to uh, live in that kind of world where you're hinged on, all right, are they going to shoot a three when they're up by 12 and they only need, you know, they need to win by less than 13 or something. So, you know, it's, it's. it, that's that's the cursed part of it is everyone hinges everything I do based on that one paper when over the last few years I've tried to show that Purdue sports is so much more than just picking winners of games. Um, but, you know, that was one of the coolest things was, you know, a well-known sports guy read my paper, remembered it, and, um, you know, kind of wondered what I was doing. So that was, that was pretty neat. I, I enjoyed that. Yeah, with Mark Cuban, he's not only a, a mogul in the NBA world, but just in the business world in general. It's yeah. definitely a pretty cool person to have read your work. You talk about your involvement. Uh, can you just talk a little bit more about your daily involvement with Daily Fantasy? Yeah, so Daily Fantasy is our, our biggest push right now. Um, we started off our first year or so going toward teams. and our second year, we were doing more of the season fantasy Um but as we kind of learned about the sports world and you know where there, where the money is um, for companies like us, it's definitely a daily fantasy. And 
there's not a whole lot of companies out there right now or websites out there that do daily fantasy. Um, you know, there's more and more each day. Uh, but we partnered with PredictionMachine.com, who is a pretty well-known name in the gaming world. Um, so they provide you picks, uh, who's going to win each game by how much. And, and, and their, their tagline is, we, we, we play the game 50,000 times before it's played. So they've developed this simulation capability to simulate a game 50,000 times in, in, in almost less than a second. And they come up with pretty accurate results. Uh, they do well year in, year out. Um, I don't know when the last time they've had a losing season is. Uh, so, so they're they're well respected, well known, and they wanted to get into the fantasy world. And we had been introduced by a, a colleague. They're actually only located 30 minutes from us. We didn't even know that. Uh, so it was easy for us to get together in person, get to know each other. And we found it was just the right fit. So we said, hey, we can bring capability and tools uh, to you guys. You guys already have marketing and customer base. Let's, let's combine our two forces and, and go out into this daily fantasy world. And they have the similar mindset of the, the mathematical, analytical approach to um, creating lineups as we do versus you know, someone saying, well, I'm the expert of the day. I like this guy and I like this guy. You should take those two with, you know, their own kind of analysis, whatever that is, whether it's subjective or actually using some type of math. Right. Um, so, so we partnered up. And so right now we offer daily fantasy for NFL and NBA. Uh, we're right in the middle of creating our baseball. Um, we are also creating hockey right now. So we, we plan to offer, you know, between four and eight sports within the next year uh, with two of them already going and they've been going strong um, so everything on our side is is automated um, essentially mathematical so there's no articles on our site uh, there's there's the the simulation from prediction machine how they think the games are going to go we take that information we apply player salaries to it and then bam you come up with your optimal lineups for daily fantasy and one of our big things at Produco is we don't want things to be hidden in a black box. So we want you to be able to, as a user, have as much customization and control over the the answers as you want. So if you if you say like I, I've got to have Johnny Manziel this weekend, and that's just you're, you're not gonna I'm not gonna talk you out of it. That's fine. Put Johnny Manziel in, and we'll build you the best lineup around him in a matter of seconds. Um, so we use, you know, pretty sophisticated mathematical tools to do that. And uh, so we try to create your own customized optimal lineup. Uh, that's the best way to put it. I'm talking with Dr. Jacob Luffelholtz, director of all things sports from Producco Sports. What is the importance placed on analytics and modern sports today? So that's, that's an interesting question. Um, I think it goes back and forth. So if you look in the, just the last day's news, the, the Browns hired this guy named Paul DePodesta. And, right, yeah, from the Mets. Yeah, and, and there's there's some people that know him. There's a lot of people that don't, but there's more people that know him that don't realize they know him because of the whole Moneyball thing. Yeah. So he was, he was kind of the guy behind Billy Bean and Moneyball, and, and nobody ever really, unless you read the book, you don't really know that. Um, you kind of get the sense in the movie, but... So he, he kind of 
kickstarted this whole analytics in sports. And so, you know, the A's are really well known for doing analytics. The Indians are also really well known for it, which he worked for before the A's. Um, you know, he tried to bring the same thing to the Dodgers and he brought it to the Mets and was pretty successful. But analytics in sports is, is interesting. So like I said, our first year we spent kind of going around to different teams and different sports and saying, hey, we're, we're this new consulting company and we can help you. And I got to tell you that most of the teams are, are really not interested. We, we built a, a scheduling application that essentially takes your scouts and gives them optimal schedules to follow throughout the year. So they can see the most players possible. They can see the best games possible. So, you know, say I'm, I'm looking at a center from UK. Well, I don't want to see him play Akron. I want to see him play another high caliber center so that I know how he's going to compete at the NBA level. We cut down travel costs. We cut down travel time. We we came up with the algorithm to see as many games in a day as possible. So we'll, we'll uh, schedule your trips around tournaments or uh, games with close locations. Um, so we, we built this phenomenal, I, I think it's phenomenal uh, scheduling application. You, you run it, you get an entire season schedule in a matter of 15 seconds that we can show that saves 40 to 50% of their current operating costs. And they're like, well, that's cool. And then they kind of walk away. So it, it's, it's pretty interesting. I, I think that the media and other, other things are really trying to show that there's a lot of analytics at the team level, but I'm actually not sure how much there is. Um, there, there's a lot of teams that hire analytics people. Um, most of them are just to check a box. And they'll actually admit that. They'll just say, yeah, we're just checking the box to say, yeah, we have analytics. But that person is doing basic stuff. Uh, I, I met one guy. He worked for a pro basketball team. He said he spent two years just building an Excel sheet that showed every venue in college basketball and how close they were to each other and tried to find optimal routes that way. And I said, well, that's what's built into our scheduling application. We do that for you in a matter of seconds, so you don't have to spend all that time looking for something. Uh, but there are other teams that, that are very vocal in saying, we, we like analytics. So, you know, the Indians, the Astros. The Houston Rockets uh, come to mind. In the Rockets, yeah. I mean, you got Daryl Morey. Um, but I, the, quest, the, the real question is, is, how much does that analytics play in a decision of the coach, of the players, of the GM, of the president, of the owner, whatever? That's that's the question I want to know the answer to. So you're going to go up to Daryl Moore. He's like, yeah, we, we use analytics. But I want to say, like, where, when? I mean, is, you know, when Coach McHale was there, was he making lineup decisions based on your analytics or are you just using it for the draft or – were you using it just for trades or were you using it just for business operations? I, I don't know. Does the trend now seem to be that companies are, or even uh, pro sports organizations are analyzing analytics itself? I, I think the, the better question is, is uh, you know, I, I, like I said, I, I want to know how they're using it. So, so, you know, a lot of companies, there's all this wearable tech that's coming out. Um, there's Catapult. They're really well known for all this tracking data their sport view uh that stats has um 
you know, these teams, they get a terabyte worth of sports view data. I don't know if you've ever seen that sports view data, but it's, it's a, a monstrous amount of data that is given to you. But it's pretty cool because you can essentially watch the basketball game and X's and O's on your computer. So you can see exactly how every player moved and how fast they were moving. Um, and, you know, it gives you ideas how high they were, you know, their, their XYZ positioning. So that's pretty cool. Uh, and Stats does algorithms to see, all right, when did a pick and roll occur? Um, I know teams are interested in saying, you know, are we more efficient when we space the court versus when we kind of clutter up the middle? Um, and what is that efficiency level? You know, is it are we 10% more efficient? The, the sport view data can start to answer that. Um, so, yeah, I don't... The problem is I don't know what data teams use. So we went to go see a, a, a pro basketball team, and they said, after we showed them our scheduling application, they said, well, if we gave you 20 years' worth of data against our competitor team, could you do something with that? I was like, well, I, I think so, but what is the data? And they're yeah. like, well, we can't tell you. <laughs> like, okay, well. What is the top I, secret? <laughs> yeah, and it's probably data that, anyone can get anywhere it's just they don't want to they don't want to tip any kind of hand of what they're looking at and how they're looking at it so you know we we've talked to numerous teams numerous at all levels from the gm the assistant gms the the vps all the way down to scouts and and the actual analysts and there's no one ever tips their hand on what they're doing or how they're doing it or anything so that's one of the hardest things about um, I think an analyst, whether you're just getting out of college and wanting to work in sports or a company trying to work with a team, is figuring out what it is that they do um, and what they need help with truly. Uh, it's one of the harder things. You mentioned about what the teams need help with. When collecting data, do you know the questions that you want to ask beforehand or do questions arise from the data that you're able to collect or how does that overall process start? Uh, I would say it's both. Um, so sometimes we have a specific question we want to answer. So like the scheduling application we did, we, we knew we wanted to figure out what is the best route for a scout to take based on certain rules. So we just had to go get the data. We had to go find every venue. We had to go find every college schedule. We had to go find, you know, if we wanted to get really specific hotel and airfare information. Um you had to find rosters and, and all that stuff. So so that's an example of we, we knew the question before we had the data. Um, but the sport view data is an excellent thing of, all right, now I have the data. Now I can come up with the questions because you have this massive data set of yeah. where every player is in the ball and what what use is it? Um you know that's that that's a good question i i don't know but we've been asked before by sports agents to do an analysis on a player and he wanted to know if a team was saying that that player needs to get a rebound every three minutes and based on his box score his minutes and his rebounds he wasn't getting a rebound every three minutes but we wanted to come up with some reason why he wasn't. So, so that was a that was an example of we had a question. Now we got to go find the data. So we had to go find a year's worth of play by play data for that one particular player. Um, so I think it definitely goes both ways. Um, you know, it's it, a lot of times. I think for teams, 
it's they have the data. Now they just need to figure out what the questions are. Um, but I think for everybody else, for like analysts, college students, high school kids, whoever, they have the questions. They just spend all the time looking for the data. Um, so I definitely think it goes both ways. Do you think that analytics is best served for measuring things like intangibles and overall team chemistry? Like earlier you mentioned about pick and rolls and efficiency of pick and rolls and how fast a player moves and how quickly, you know, getting rebounds every few minutes. or. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be used to help discover what goes on in a game that really helps you win. What is it that you're doing that's causing you to win versus, you know, yeah, I, I scored 115 points. You're not really going to beat me. Uh, but what is it that you did in the games to score 115 versus the games that you only scored 85? Um, I, I definitely think it can be used, and I think that's where that sport view data might come into play, yeah. or just regular play-by-play data, maybe lineup combinations. You know, there's sites out there that do, uh, like one of them, Popcorn Machine, they do really cool lineup uh, stuff during the game. So you can see every lineup combination that's ever played during the season and see how efficient they are. And so, you know, are they really playing the best five guys in the starting lineup, or should the backup point guard be taking over, and that's their better starting lineup since they get more minutes together? Um, So I definitely think they're analytic could be used to answer those questions um there's some teams they're even trying to go further than that to to do they do analytics on player health so there's some teams that give players surveys every day and they say how are you feeling today um actually just on espn today uh, it was talking about uh one of the eagles players was talking about uh, Chip Kelly, and he used to do that. He used to give them surveys every single day and say, how are you feeling today? What did you do last night? Um, and they're trying to use analytics to gather that information and glean something from it. So I, I know this player is going to perform well this week because, you know, he got the right amount of sleep. He didn't go out and party, and, you know, he felt good all week. Um, so I think it could be used even for stuff like that. It seems like teams are always trying to find that next edge. They, they are. And like I said, there are, all, there are some teams I think there are. Um, there's, there's an interesting quote. And I, I know I'm going to butcher it, but a lot of the teams are, they want to be first to be second. So nobody wants to do the, be the first one to do it. They want to just follow someone else that has done it. And so I think that's, that's one of the things that hurts us as a company when we try to convince a team to do something out of their comfort zone is they want to know that someone else has done it first and it worked. Um, so that, that, one, that was a pretty interesting thing to learn over time. Uh, a good example of when I was younger, uh, Carson Palmer played for the uh, Bengals. Right. And Pey- Peyton Manning had kind of just started for the Colts and Peyton Manning kind of you know really brought to light this this no huddle offense and Carson Palmer went up to Marvin and said, I want to do that. You know, and he tried it and it really didn't work that well for him. Uh, but no one else wanted to do it first. They wanted to see that, Oh, Peyton Manning does it. Now I can do it. You know, that that's an okay thing. Uh, but nobody else wanted to be first to do it. So for the teams that actually do buy into analytics, what are some of the key challenges owners and general managers 
face when integrating analytics into the rest of the organization? I, I don't know the answer to that. That's a, that's a good question. Um, I have no clue. I mean, there, there are some, some organizations that do analytics where the owner isn't necessarily sold on it. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's pretty interesting, but they're, they got to try something new. They got to shake it up. Um, you know, it's the Kings just hired last couple of years ago or last year the head ESPN analytics guy. You know, they said, "All right, we got to do it." You know, it's, it's now or never because we're we're not we're not who we used to be. Um, so I, I don't I don't know the answer to that question. I mean, I'm sure the owners have a lot of influence in GMs, but again, I I also wonder where it goes to. So a good example might be like the Spurs. They're they're actually a pretty heavy. Uh, analytical institution there they have they have a few guys that are pretty sharp that do some really good work there um but my question and i've never really asked them i I should is does popovich listen to them i i don't know (laughs) you know he he does his own thing from you know what i gather and but i know the spurs are heavy in analytics and so that's that's even a good question is how do the coaches Accepted. I don't know if they do or not. You know, I don't know if Popovich makes different decisions based on what they tell him or not. That, that's a good question. I wish I knew the answer to that. But that's one of those things I'll never really tell you either. <laughs> I think you did answer, and because you, you've you've alluded to it that some of the key challenges are actually just organizations themselves, not really. They don't want to be that first. You no, know, everybody wants to be first to be second. When you mentioned that quote, and I thought that was a great point because everyone's kind of timid. They want to see someone else go through all the obstacles first and they can kind of learn from that before they uh they try it out see what went well what didn't yeah i mean they definitely want to to see if it works before you know they dive into it and there's some teams that are just you know we're going to keep at it for time and the, the indians are a great example they've had a they've had an analytics group for quite some time and, yeah you know they, they've done well in the last few years um but they haven't had that success they had many many years ago and so um, but they're staying at it. You know, they're going to try. And the Houston Astros were that way for a long time too. And then last year, bam, it seems to be paying off. Absolutely, you know, they, got the, they were. They, they turned it yeah. around. Yeah, and they've got one of the like the number one farm system, and uh, you know that you know couple guys they have are from the Cardinals. So, you know, they've got some bright guys. Um, but yeah, some teams are just they'll go all in. You know, the Seventy Sixers are supposedly one of those teams, and you know who knows how long they'll, they'll hang on to that. Hopefully, they'll start winning some games and it'll pay off. But that's what I hope for. I mean, I hope these teams. The problem is that it seems to be all the small teams that do analytics, um, except for maybe the Rockets, which is the other. You know, they're they're a well known team and they're not really small. Um, but they they need I need them to win a championship because yeah. I think that that helps everybody that wants to do analytics and sports because then everyone's gonna be like all right the Rockets did it now we got to do it. You mentioned the Sixers using analytics. My guess is they probably used analytics and traded traded analytics for future draft picks. That seems to be their, <laughs> their yeah. Tendency. I, I don't know what they're doing, but they just got bad luck too. I mean, yeah. you got to think they're they're picking up number one picks and they're just getting injured and. Uh, you know, it's. Just, but again, I don't know if you know. Maybe they shouldn't have picked those guys in the first place. I have no clue. Um, yeah, I, I hope they turn it around. You mentioned the smaller market teams being more inclined to use analytics. Do you think that is true overall? For the simple fact that it's harder for smaller market teams, like Oklahoma City, for example, the Thunder, they would be a team I could see. I'm not sure if they use analytics or not. 
but it's hard for them to compete with, say, with New York or Los Angeles, Chicago, Dallas, some of these bigger market teams on a contract standpoint. So they kind of have to be resourceful and use something like analytics and kind of think outside the box. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's exactly it. Because, I mean, even in the whole Moneyball book, um, you know, the A's just, they didn't have the, the cap space, you know, that the the Yankees and Red Sox had. And, you know, they had one, I think they actually had the smallest one that year was the year that book took place. And uh, so they have to find the value in players. They got to find those guys that are, no one's thinking about, they're going to overachieve and they cost nothing. And then, you know, eventually, one or two years later, they got to get rid of them, which is why all their good players go to the Yankees or the Red Sox or somewhere else. Right. Uh, because they can just no longer afford them. They just hope that when they capture them before they become well-known, that they'll capitalize on them during those first two years. Um, so, yeah, I mean, now Oklahoma, that's a that's a good example. So the, uh, the new head guy of ESPN right now, um, Ben Alomar, uh, of ESPN Analytics group, he did work for the uh, Oklahoma City Thunder uh, for some time. So they do do analytics, and it makes you wonder. Uh, I, I question. I wonder. They think they listened to him because you know they ended up with Durant and Westbrook through draft picks. Harden, yeah, Andy Baca. Yeah, I mean, and Reggie Jackson. That, that's some. That's some serious drafting that they did there. They also and, drafted uh, Eric Bledsoe. And, tr- and then eventually traded him. So they, and this is all within a five-year period, right? And and so I think he showed that you know analytics does work, which is probably why he is where he is today. Um, he's proven that you know he he can do something with it. Um, now Kevin Durant, he actually employs analytics himself, um, which is a pretty interesting thing. So. Uh, I think it was a few years ago, he went up to a guy and said, all right, I need you to improve my shot. And so he looked at all of Kevin Durant's shot, where he misses the most and where he takes the most shots. And then it's about at the near the top of the key, just a little bit to the right. He said, here is where you shoot so much, but you miss so much of it. And so through analytics, that all right, Kevin Durant, you just need to improve that shot. And that's what he did. And if you watch a game, at least last year, I haven't really watched him too much this year, he constantly shoots there, and he makes them now. And uh, so, I mean, that was an example of a player taking on analytics and uh, using it. But there's other players that may or may not necessarily use it. Um, There's a guy that works for ESPN Grantland, Kirk Goldsberry. He's really well known for his shot charts um he's got these you know every shot taken in the 2013 season and he he just does a really good graphical interpretation of of stats and i remember a story he once said he he went and showed lebron james his shot chart and lebron's like well this is cool shit and but that was it you know it's like i don't know if lebron's really going to use anything from that but he thought it was cool you know (laughs) So, so there's some players that are all about it, and there's others that, you know, I think they're just going to be. Charles Barkley is very well known for saying, you know, analytics says nothing. I'm, you know, I'm going to play the way I play, and that's why I'm good. Uh, so it's, but yeah, those, those smaller market teams, uh, they they just they have to find the value in those guys that the other teams haven't picked up on. And then the Yankees and Red Sox will just come along and buy them later. Yeah, they'll wait for those players to develop when they're sure things. 
yeah. after they've been in the league for four or five years and then just throw hundreds of millions of dollars at them. Has a team or organization ever consulted uh, your firm as far as uh, hires? No. So we, we've, all, we've done a ton of demos for teams. We've done some kind of like free work for teams, um, but we've never had a team pull the trigger. We've had, we did have a Western Conference team use our, our scout scheduler for a couple months. Yeah. Uh, and so that was really cool. Uh, but the problem is, is the, the, the teams were, aren't really looking to hire a consulting company. They're looking to just buy products. And so our first year and a half, we wanted to consult. But I think we've learned now that we need to build products. And so that's kind of our next step after this daily fantasy is to get back into the team area, but we're going to build products. And so we're going to build out the scout scheduler into a sellable product and say, here, 1995, buy this, and you've improved your sales tremendously. And then we're hoping from there, all right, maybe we'll do a little bit of consulting work or we'll get more ideas for different products that they need and want now. Because um, one thing we learned was, we talked to a couple of teams and they said, well, we already spent our $50,000 budget on products. And it's like, well, we're not selling you a product. We're selling you help. <laughs> and, uh, but that they see it as the same thing. And so they have a limited budget and they just go and see what's out there. They buy it and they like it. They buy it again and again. Um, so that, that's kind of our, our new approach, but we did step away from teams after that year of, exploratory stuff and we really want to focus on fantasy and gaming because that's where we knew we could build a sustainable business and then be able to take risks and go back to try and work with teams i'm gonna use you guys for my fantasy football team next year yeah because i had a bad year this year i need to rebound <laughs> yeah, the, the, the injuries will always hurt you on a, a, a weekly yeah, basis. Yeah, there's some, definitely some big injuries to running backs and a lot of first-round picks. So have there ever been any unusual unusual or stuff that you really thought, oh, this is pretty interesting how they went uh, with their requesting? I can't really say so. I mean, the, well, the one thing I found the most unusual was the basketball team that did uh, player surveys and wanted to do analytics on that um you know i never really thought about from that level of you know if they want to they want to scrape their twitter feeds and their their instagrams and they want to be able to get a, a, a gauge of how tired or how active or how into it they are today um that was one of the most interesting ones but nothing's really surprised me and that's you know, being in analytics, I try not to let anything surprise me about what people are asking for. I thought the I, traveling salesman uh, piece you told earlier, we're trying to scout the most players and the most, I guess, be most efficient with the time available. I thought that was pretty interesting. Yeah, I mean, like I said, that's our that's our cornerstone product, um, not product. It's it's our cornerstone demo thing that we it gets our foot in almost any door we want to um because they see that and it's very interesting to them um and what i try to tell a lot of people that want to get into analytics for sports is i think teams aren't they aren't necessarily interested in you telling them who they should play and when they should play them and what the best lineup combination is and all that kind of stuff They're, they don't really want to hear that they want to know is how can you put more people in their seats <laughs> and how can you get them 
a better farm system. I think that's yeah. more what they're interested in because they want to sell tickets. They want to sell um, hot dogs. They want to sell T-shirts. They, that's where they're making their money. Um, you know, that, and that's what they need help with is if you can save them, you know, 20% on travel costs, that starts to starts to interest them quite a bit. And so that's that scheduling thing really gets us in the door anywhere because we say, hey, look, we, we can schedule your scouts in a matter of seconds. Just give us a chance. All you got to do is give us your lists and bam, you're done. And you can adjust it on the fly. So if you got a wedding next weekend in South Bend, we'll, you know, it'll automatically schedule a Notre Dame game for you. That's what they're interested in. Unfortunately, we just didn't realize they also wanted to buy it right then and there, where we were like, okay, well, we haven't quite fully developed this into a product. I can run it on a computer, but, you know, we really need to make it bug-free and all that. Um, So, yeah, no, that's definitely one of our – that's our go-to tool that we show and display. Um, Some of our fantasy stuff is pretty cool. I mean, we're we're doing optimization problems where – you know, there are 84 quadrillion possible solutions, and we find you the answer in a matter of a second or two, um, which, you know, to me as a math guy, that's cool. With everyone else, it's, well, can't you make it faster? Like, well, <laughs> no, but, you know, that's a, that's a lot of solutions to go through. Um, and, and as a math guy, there, we have a lot of competitors in the daily fantasy world that all do optimal lineups and these optimizers. And it really bothers me because you can go to their optimizer and you can run it and then run it again and you'll actually get two different answers. And that really bugs me. And I'm like, well, <laughs> you can tell that they're not getting the actual optimal answer. And, and, you know, it may not matter. It might only be a point or two off. But, you know, they're just doing a quick sort of players uh, based on dollar per point. And they're just going through a, about 100,000 iterations and then giving you the best one out of those which will sometimes be close to the optimal, but it rarely ever is. Um, so that always kind of gets me is we actually offer you a truly optimal solution. You can't get any better than this, uh, which is kind of cool. I like that. That is pretty cool. So what would you consider or even think about the future of, of analytics in terms of sports? I wish I knew. I, I, a lot of it is gravitating towards this wearable technology and and this tracking technology you know i think the people that can really capitalize and show the usefulness of those those are the people that are going to be the next up best analysts uh, out there um you know they're, they're using these drones and practices now and i know the saints are doing some stuff with wearable technology during training camp um so, so whoever can figure out how to make that extremely useful to a team or to a coach, that's, that's where I think your, your success is in analytics. Um, just because companies are forcing all this wearable tech down, you know, the teams, it's like, you know, you need this, you need this. So they're just buying it. Um, but if someone can show them the usefulness of it, that's, that's where it is, I, I think. Um, you know, I think it's it's less and less. I, I think more people are figuring it out. It's it's not about telling a coach who to play and when to play them and that kind of stuff. It's it's the outside of season stuff. It's the training camps. It's the the off season, uh, the drafts. That kind of stuff is where they need 
as much as they can get. Um, so I think that's definitely where the future of analytics is, is it's all in this wearable tech and tracking technology, being able to take that information and tell a good story and find something useful in it. Yeah. If people want to go online and just read your paper about predicting NBA games or outcomes of NBA games, where can they find that? Uh, you can go to the website, PerducoSports.com, and uh, it's it's linked under, I think, the gaming section. Um, it'll, it'll show you because we, we use that, the algorithms from that paper. Uh, we, we are partnered with another company called Sports Betting Professor, and we actually created a website called sportsbettingsimulator.com. And we actually have that model in use. Um, this year we have that website down just because we wanted to focus on fantasy. Uh, but last year we used that model and we were above 54% in both uh, basketball and football, which in, in Vegas understanding is very good. Uh, if you can break 52.4%, you're, you're successful. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, we were 54, 55% in the last year. We've had higher success in previous seasons, you know, around 60%. Um, but so, so we explain what our model does and how it works and what it's looking for. And I use that paper as an example. So you can go to PerducoSports.com and find it under probably the gaming section. It'll be a link to the article. And is that where also can, people can just find more information about you and your company? Yeah, I mean, uh, at Purdue Sports, it's probably the best place. Um, I actually built the website, so it's oh nice. Uh, <laughs> it's it's not the greatest thing you've ever seen, but it, it works. It no, it looks good. I checked it out across. last night. So yeah, it, it kind of. I try to give an idea of different things we've shown teams. I try to show videos of our stuff um, so they can get an idea of what it does. And as often as possible, I try to tell people how we did things. You know, I, I don't. Yeah. We don't. Like I said, we don't live in a black box world where we're not going to tell you how we did something. We we do. I mean, I can tell you the scout scheduling is based on optimization and heuristics. It's the hard part is coding that up and and doing it correctly. Um, yeah. It's not knowing what to do. Um, so yeah, I mean, there, there's a lot of good information about what we've done and what we do up there. Uh, I try to keep it up to date as possible. Um, and then you can also check out our fantasy stuff at predictionmachine.com under the fantasy tab. And that has everything we do fantasy wise. If you're a, a DraftKings or a FanDuel or Yahoo player, um, which I am. And I wish I would have researched your website earlier in the football season because that could have helped me out tremendously. Yeah, we, uh, we got a pretty cool email about, uh, I guess we got about two weeks ago. A guy sent me an email and said, you know, I want to thank you for having this optimizer up there i used you guys lineup and won six grand last night which was a lot of money to me and yeah so that was that was pretty cool uh i actually don't participate in it as uh much as i should i spend too much time creating it tweaking it and developing it versus and actually using it um but a lot of people have had great success with it prediction machine plays with it and they said at the beginning of the uh basketball season the first two weeks they were winning 95 percent of their contests and which is really good wow so it's 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 really a powerful tool because we're combining the knowledge of prediction machine and their ability to simulate games and create projections with our tools of getting answers in seconds and uh so people are having some great success with it uh which is cool 
Uh, we used the uh, NFL one last year in the uh, the million dollar contest, and uh, so we we only used the computer generated answer, no tweaks, no biases, nothing, and it got thirty fourth place in the the million dollar contest. And there's uh, probably like a million entries in that. Yeah, I mean, there, there's several hundred thousand. Yeah, and, uh, wow, that's pretty so, awesome. Thirty four out of. So it 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 it's good. It's it's cool. Um, so yeah, I definitely recommend anyone that's a, a daily fantasy player to check that out because it's. I mean, we we add more and more stuff uh, every day. Just just about a week ago, we added a new tool called custom lineups, and the 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 one thing about NBA is you never know who's playing until like ten minutes before the game, and. A lot of websites, they just they have to give you an answer an hour or two before the game. It's just what they have to do. And so what we did is uh, Prediction Machine allowed us to create a tool where you can input any lineup you want for any team and then re-simulate the game on the fly using their, their code and technology, and you get brand-new projections. So if I found out tonight that LeBron James isn't playing at 750, I can quickly rerun the game with him out and get all new stats and see how that affects, you know, Love and Irving and Delvadova and all that. Um, so it's really, uh, we're adding more and more tools that people like. And uh, so that's what we're trying to do. Well, I'm definitely a fan of analytics. I believe in it. I think it's really cool. And I think there's some big uh, things in store for analytics in the future and for your company. When you hit it like, really, really big, because I feel like you're a big, t- you're a big deal now. But when you become like ex- extremely big, when you're hanging out with Mark Cuban on a regular basis, I want you to remember Mark <laughs> Foster from the AM Sports Podcast, where it all started. <laughs> it, it is. I'll, I'll remember this day in history. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it. This is, uh, again, analytics have always just been something I've really, I'm interested by and intrigued by. And when I was doing some research and I found out that you were on Area B's, thinking, oh, this guy's just right down the road from me. And so I definitely had to get you on as a guest for the show so I was yeah happy. i appreciate it very much this is great yeah this is um it's something i've been doing the podcast for about three months now and i actually interviewed uh, tom pestick from uh from Perduco to talk he's been on the show twice now just to talk basketball and i always enjoy his his opinions and his point of view uh, especially when it comes to the Cavs. And yeah, then, he's a, a serious Cleveland fan. He is. Uh, <laughs> he he knows more. He actually probably knows more about basketball than I could ever dream of knowing. And uh, but no, that's great. He's got a he's got a heavy bias though towards those those Cleveland teams. You know, some, <laughs> that's okay. I'm, I'm originally from Oklahoma, and I have a heavy bias towards the OKC Thunder. So sometimes it I have the blinders on, but yeah, that happens. Yeah. But again, uh, just thank you so much for coming on the show. It's, it's truly been a joy. All right, that's all the time we have today. If you want more, like us on Facebook, AM Sports with Alex and Martin. Follow us on Twitter, at AM Sports Guys. And check out our website, amsportsguys.com. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. <laughs>